Sports Etc. is New England's hockey leader since 1980. For over 30 years, we have specialized in fitting players of all ages for hockey and goalie equipment. We understand that anyone can sell hockey equipment, but not everyone can truly fit hockey equipment. We carry all the major hockey brands like Bauer, CCM, Reebok, Easton, Graf, Warrior, Vaughn, Bryans, and many more. Located at 1303 Massachusetts Avenue, Arlington, Mass., and on the web at sportsetc.net, experience the difference at Sports Etc. Welcome back to the My Hockey Life podcast. My name is Brandon Hall. I'm pleased to be joined once again by NBC10, Boston Globe, and My Hockey Life's Jake Levin. You can find Jake on Twitter at JakeTLevin. Uh, and you can find his work again in the Globe, all over the internet, all sorts of good stuff. Jake Levin, welcome back to the podcast. Brandon, great to be back in a, uh, a snowstorm that was kind of a dud. I think I can't speak to where it was in, uh, you know, the greater uh, South Shore area, but down here, it's uh, we we didn't get a ton. Yeah, it, it was. Um, it's it's a. It, it was definitely a dud in some places. It seems like as you drove west, uh, the people would disagree with you. I think there was like a supercell in in Fitchburg or something, or like eighteen inches. But in Easton, we got slop uh, and snow, and I think it was. I don't know, maybe six inches of that. It ruined my home rink. And uh, oh no, yeah, oh, it's terrible. And then in Plymouth, they got all rain. There's less snow on the ground than there was when it started. So it's all over the place. Well, yep. there was only one game in all of Eastern Mass played on Monday night, uh, hockey or basketball. It was the Barnstable Dennis Yarmouth uh, boys game. They played that in Hyannis. That was it. Because that makes I sense. Was on the desk at the Globe last night. I, my, that's what I do Monday nights. I track down the scores, and I had one game. One game to look for, Barnesville <laughs> BY. You probably could have driven down to watch that game. I guess I theory, theoretically could have, but, you know, I drove to Hyannis last week, and I did lock my keys in my car, stopping at Mary Lou's. So one trip to Hyannis is enough for now. <laughs> and how did that end? Triple A? Casual? Oh, for, oh triple, triple A. I mean, this is, this is nothing new for me. This has happened at least three times um, when I've been out covering a hockey game in the last, you know, six or seven years working MHL, the Globe and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, I, I get my money's worth from AAA. I cannot recommend it enough. That is not an ad. I'm just simply saying uh, I, I'd be lost without it. But great service. Uh, they got to me within probably about 20 minutes. Wow. I actually I was able to show up at the rink tail end of the first period. Uh, so I really didn't miss all that much. And there was no scoring when I was there. So I this was... was- so this was on the way to the game. You got your keys locked in the car. Yep, I stopped it. It was a it was a spur of the moment decision. I was driving down 132 in Hyannis. I'm less than five minutes from the rink at this point, and uh, I see the Mary Lou's, and I'm like, "Ooh, could go for a little coffee." Because you know that's a hike for me. That's, that's the one right off. It's right off the highway, right? Right off the highway. Yeah, yeah I know exactly where it is. To get up to good muff, good muffins at that one. It's great muffins at all. But, but uh, <laughs> I decided, you know, might as well stop, get a little coffee, and uh, I guess I just got too excited, locked my keys in my car. And that was that, but I made it there, and I uh, saw Falmouth Barnstable, uh, two great periods uh, when I did get there. So I, I got to tell yeah, it was, and that was at the, the Kennedy rank? That was at Kennedy. Yeah, so a couple things about Hyannis versus, uh, I'm sorry, about Barnstable versus, versus Falmouth. If you haven't had a chance, people listening, if you haven't had a chance to watch them play against each other, it's one of those all-time classic rivalries. You know, put it up there with any other 
local sports rivalry uh, that you've got, but it comes out with like a Thanksgiving Day football sort of crowd in in non-COVID yep. times, right? We've we've covered games at Kennedy where they've had three side. It's a three-sided rank, uh, stands on three sides of the rank. Uh, that place is full for those games. Uh, that it's a great take. It's a ton of fun. The kids, the fans, the the families are so into it. Uh, the gameplay on the ice is really good. Uh, and Two then evenly matched programs. Yeah, they, yeah. They play they play a hundred times. It'll probably be fifty to fifty. Right, right. And you've got Barnstable, who's usually typically a big, strong, physically imposing team, and you got Falmouth, who's you know has good size, but is you know really skilled. Uh, you know, it's it's in a similar way. It's like watching the Bruins and the Canadians play, uh, and the fans hate each other the same amount. <laughs> it's remarkable. They certainly do. No, I mean I've I've covered you know probably close to ten Barnstable Falmouth games now, and one I'll never forget was uh, a, it was a seven to seven game between them. This would have been in the winter of sixteen seventeen, and uh, Patrick Coyne had five goals for Falmouth. He had the fifth one with less than a minute to go, but then Barnstable tied it up with about half a minute to go, and just the rink was going nuts. It was bananas. So. One of the best regular season games I've seen in my seven years now. Yeah, and, and then, of course, when you go over to Falmouth Ice Arena, which is one of the best rinks in the state, it's got a whole different vibe, but it's, it's equally as intense. I remember being there and seeing parents yelling at each other across us because where the, the broadcast booth is right at Center Ice, but it's, right. o- it's open. It's basically just a deck uh, with a railing, and then there are fans around you, and I remember the fans shouting over us, as we're attempting to broadcast the game, it's 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 really intense. It's great. It's the kind of high school sports that that you really want to see and that you enjoy to go to and cover. I will say this, uh, and this is not a exclusive to Barnesville Falmouth, but all of the games, most of the games, I should say that I've been to this year, there have been a few exceptions, but it's been for the most part no fans, and I I hate that. I hate that there's no fans. I totally get why there are no fans, but. I it sort of ruined. I don't want to say it ruins the atmosphere, but you know you love seeing the crowd react on a goal. Right. However, there are a few games where they have let in a select number of parents, and the chirping at officials, I must say, is something I did not miss. Everybody thinks that they know the calls, they oh. know the rules better than the official, and of course, there are examples where it's an egregious non-call by the official, but. Those are so few and far between. The amount of armchair refs, that is the one thing I have not missed in this COVID era. Oh, so frustrating. And they're right next to the broadcast booth. You know, it happened at the Bog on Sunday. It happened at the New England Sports Center to me. Um, Well, the Bog would have been Saturday. uh, NESC on Sunday. It was like, God, you know, 99.99% of this is horrible, but I love not having the armchair refs here. Yeah, the Globe did a whole spotlight series, not a spotlight series, but they did a, a series on, on officials. Yep, my how, colleague uh, Nate Weitzer wrote that one. Yeah, last story. last year about how you know it was it was I think the the genesis of it was this was a soccer official, but officials in general you can't find them. Uh, nobody wants to do it anymore. It's a miserable job. It doesn't pay that well. You're giving up your nights and your weekends to do it, uh, and you just get abused the entire time that you do it. What's what's the point? <laughs> For sure. You know, speaking from experience, I umpired some Little League uh, back in the day, and and it took until I was able to grow facial hair for parents to not necessarily be on me for every call, every missed call. But for these high school officials, you know, 
even it doesn't matter if they're 25 or 55, they're just getting chirped by the parents. And uh, it's very, very frustrating to see. And that's, again, the former umpire in me. Maybe I, I, I'm uh, standing up for them. But, man, it, it really jumps out in these quiet rinks where there's only about 20 parents. And you can hear the screaming, oh, that's offside. So, oh, the net came loose. It's just frustrating and that's my rant yeah let people do their jobs the one thing i i tell you the one thing i don't miss especially watching nhl games is uh is the power play uh when the puck's back at the point on the power play and you get the shoot shoot the puck shoot it's a bruins specialty oh god i hate it shoot skate skate oh that's what i'm supposed to do like (laughs) thank god thanks pal i mean give me a break like that that's those are my those are my pet peeves personally, but yeah, I get it where you're coming from. The official you don't hear it on the ice as much when the crowd sure. is when the crowd is there. But man, if there's a tiny crowd like that, it's just you see it in youth hockey too. There were times the youth hockey games would be going on before us. If you know we were at Hobmacher for a three ten Saturday game, they'd have youth games leading up to up till that three ten game, and it was brutal. It was really brutal to listen to. You got. A couple of high school kids that were officiating the games, or you know, um, some older people that couldn't, that weren't good enough to do, you know, high school games, and, and they're just getting abused by these parents. It's ridiculous. But anyway, um, I do want to talk about Division One um, and an incident that happened in the Pope Francis versus Bishop Fian game uh, way out in Western Mass. At the, I believe it was at the Olympia, correct? It was. Yep. It was at the Olympia. A player from from uh, Bishop Fian was injured. Uh, and th- the hockey community across the board, and when I say across the board, I mean from youth hockey all the way to the pros, has opened their their arms and their wallets, I suppose, uh, for a family in in North Attleboro. Um, that, that is just remarkable. Uh, North Providence. Oh, North Providence. I, oh, I didn't realize that there was that much travel involved. Okay. Yep, but um. Just a remarkably sad and yet a remarkably resilient story. The GoFundMe, uh, I haven't checked in a day or two, but it was it was fast approaching $700,000. So it's just remarkable. And I don't think this is necessarily exclusive to hockey, but there's something about when it does happen to a hockey player, it does get the attention of everybody, because I think the hockey community is a little more tight knit, maybe, than some of these other sports. And it was so cool what the Bruins were able to do, uh, honoring AJ Quaida, giving him um, a replica, a locker stall, donating the game puck to him last week. That was Craig Smith who um, awarded it to him. You know, Brad Marchand carrying his jersey, customized jersey in. Chris Wagner, who played some MIA hockey, it's very in there speaking about him in the post game so that was awesome to see and uh then we've got matt brown who we've mentioned on the podcast before just an awesome kid and i say kid he's probably 27 now uh, you know not that much younger than me but um who went through this same thing uh, or very similar thing to aj back in 2010 and i was able to speak with matt uh for a story i did for the globe last uh, friday i guess it was printed saturday and um he just had some very thoughtful insight on it, and he just worried, you know, I hope AJ is not going, why me, like Matt himself did. And, you know, he, Matt just reiterated, 
how the hockey community is going to be there for him. And he and his family, AJ and his family, are not going to go through this alone. Yeah, uh, as of right now, AJ's Quetta, AJ Quetta's GoFundMe page is at $760,000 and change. Um, really remarkable uh, turnout by the hockey community. If you're interested in donating, go to GoFundMe.com and search for help pay for AJ's hospital treatment and recovery. Um, the, you know, the family has been incredibly grateful throughout this entire thing, um, showing the kind of class and dignity and respect uh, that I don't think I would have as a parent, um, you know, in a, in, in, if placed in the same situation. You know, I, I think when you have your own kids, you, you know, people always say, like, hold them tight in tough situations and things like that. Uh, I cannot imagine. I was thinking about this on the way to work today. Um, you know, if something like that happened to one of my kids, I can't imagine how I would react to it. Um, I mean, in, in such class uh, that the Quetta family has has handled this um, in such grace, it's just remarkable. It really is. And all all the best to AJ and his family and his recovery and, and, and hopefully gets the treatment that he can get to be successful moving forward. But man, just tough story overall. Absolutely. Um... Yeah, I mean, they uh, Fian got back to the ice Friday. They played Austin Prep, hosted Austin Prep down at the New England Sports Village there in Attleboro. Um, and, you know, Austin Prep, they're a really good team. But um, I, I spoke with Billy Pappas, the AP coach, and he said, you know, it was just very somber, but um, Austin Prep had to go play their game. And they got out to what was, I believe, a 4-0 lead, and uh, they wound up getting two points. But um, I also spoke with Kevin Dunn, the uh, Bishop Fian coach, and he said it was just good to see high school kids being high school kids out there and uh, playing the game. Yeah, uh, just a tough situation all around. I can't imagine being a coach in that situation too. And and you know Bishop Fian as a school has handled it so well, um, supporting the family and supporting the player and 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 the kids on the team. Um, some other happenings around uh, the Catholic Conference. Um, BC High has continued their dominance. Uh, I shouldn't say remarkably, but unremarkably, really, uh, they they just keep rolling right now. Yeah, they look like the best team in the state. Uh, not much of a surprise. And I know we've touched on this the last couple of weeks, and this is just, it's going to be the great what-if season. What if there was a Super 8? Where, what would their seed be? Probably number one overall. You know, would they win the Buddy Ferreira Classic for a sixth year in a row? Uh, it just lots of what ifs, but what's cool about BC is that, you know, they lose up, they have lost a lot of talent to graduation and, uh, kids going to other programs, but, um, it's a really younger team this year. You've got John Flaherty's son, Ryan, who's a sophomore. I believe he's their second leading scorer right now. And then, uh, you got a freshman from Weymouth there, uh, Marshall, I believe is his name, who's leading the team in scoring. Yeah. James Marshall. So, uh, yep. Yep. So it, it, this could be, you know. We're never going to find out what they could be this year, but next year uh, they're probably going to be, again, right there at the top. Um, and they've almost, just based on what we've seen from the other five schools in the Catholic Conference, it looks like they've separated themselves from the other five members, at least this year. Like, there's a clear BC high than everybody else, whereas in other years it's two or three teams maybe clumped together. This year, it really feels like it's BC High and then everybody else. Yeah, and they will be doing a. Are they doing a Catholic Conference Cup? Do we have? To an... the best of my knowledge, yes. That's great. Um, I know some leagues are, some leagues aren't. And actually, this is a good segue. I think this is really cool. 
the Patriot League. They're doing the Patriot Cup. In their semifinals and finals are going to be at Gallo down the board, oh. of course. And I think that's awesome because what do teams on the South Shore who are in the Patriot League, what did they look forward to each winter? Getting the Gallo. Right. And, you know, beyond that, in a perfect world, they'd like to get to the Garden. But it's all about getting down to Gallo. And, no, it won't be the same. There's not going to be fans, at least not many, if any, in the stands. But, uh, you, you know, it'll still be nice to have that road to Gallo, I think, for all of the teams in the Patriot League. I would have to imagine the Cape and Islands uh, Cup, which they're doing, is probably going to be doing it at Gallo as well. I mean, it is their home turf. So it, that's I think that's really cool that um, those teams are going to be able to experience Gallo. Uh, even if it isn't it's in its traditional form, that's still going to be a nice consolation prize i guess or even a saving grace i mean i know i'm excited to get down to gallo hopefully do a few games down there uh even if it is just um you know regular season rather than uh the postseason yeah and and you know sticking with that south shore side uh in division one uh marshfield's five one and two hingham's eight no uh and they look like they're at the top uh, separating themselves from the top of the keenan division um hingham just an Absolute thumping of Duxbury six to one, uh, and, and really looks like the class of the Patriot League as we kind of expected. Um, but Marshfield is right there with them at five one and two, uh, with a recent their five- only loss to Hingham. Yeah, right. With a, and a recent five nothing win over Plymouth North, um, and uh, a, a shutout for Aiden Healy, who's been really strong in net. Um, Jake Mistrangelo had two goals in that game. Uh, but, you know, really, of course, you expect to see Marshfield and Hingham at the top on that side, and that's exactly what's happening. Duxbury is definitely kind of skittering, though. Well, yeah, it's, uh, you know, sort of a, a new era, I guess, in Duxbury with a new coach there, Ben Murphy. But they still have the 2-3-4 line there at the very top, and Will Nolan, TJ Jones, and Billy Maroka. Maroka's three and Jones is four. But uh, it feels like those guys have been playing together on a line almost as long as Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak. <laughs> yeah. They've just been there together forever. They won a state championship together. I mean, I guess they were the third line at that point. But um, they're going to be a tough out in the Patriot Cup. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how they're going to do the brackets, if they're going to do a Keenan and Fisher bracket or if they're going to jumble all the teams together. Um, I'm sure it would probably make a little more sense if they jumbled all the teams together just because some of the records uh, do seem to be a little favored towards that Keenan division. But um, yeah, I'm excited to see some teams that uh, have a little unfinished business like Duxbury, which has plenty of players who are on that 2019 state title team. I'm excited to see what they can do in their final hurrah. You know, Marshfield, I don't know if there are any current seniors who are freshmen uh, when they lost at the Garden in 2018, there were obviously plenty who were within the program, uh, JV and the freshman team. I'm not sure if any were actually on varsity. And then, you know, Hanover, obviously, with uh, Manny Morris and uh, Nate Delpreet and a few others. Um, they should have gone to the Garden last year. Uh, some of them, as freshmen, did go to the Garden when they lost to Shrewsbury in the D3 title game. So, you know, we'll see how they can do in a Patriot Cup against teams like Hingham, Marshfield, and Duxbury, who ordinarily, they, uh, I mean, in Hingham, in case they never play anyways, and in uh, Marshfield, Duxbury's case, they never play in the postseason. So this would be, I don't want to say an audition for moving up, but it would be pretty cool because I've always said Hanover in any given year, 
they could win the Division One South. Not every year, but they, there's certain years where they are good enough. They're that good. And maybe this year's team is, and, you know, it's going to have that D1 South tournament kind of feel if you have to go through uh, certainly Marshfield and Duxbury and hang them in a certain year if they miss out on the Super 8. So uh, Patriot Cup is going to be very intriguing. Yeah, I definitely see Hanover being able to make the leap easily in division two, into Division Two, and I think it'll be a lot of fun to see them against, in the, you know, in a state tournament situation, Canton or Lincoln Sudbury or Tewksbury, um, to see those guys go head to head. That would be that. That's what I want to see. That'd be nice too. And you know, Canton is another team, and we we say this every week in any given year. I think certainly the last two years they could be a team to beat in the Division One uh, South tournament. So. You know, they could have been a Super 8 team a few years ago when they were 25-0-1. Yeah, and, and you know, it's funny because a buddy of mine from college uh, lives in Canton, and, and we were talking the other day. He came by to check out the, the outdoor rink at my house, and our kids were all kind of playing and stuff. And um, he, he said, you know, you see these all over the place in Canton. And I said, really? I, I wouldn't have expected that. And then I started to think about it, and I said, actually, I do expect to see that. That's the kind of town that Canton is with hockey, like – it's it's ingrained and it's it's starting at the very at the very youngest kids in age group and the youth level and those kids are playing all the way through high school and they're playing high level hockey and you see it on the boys and girls teams right there uh, so I I guess I kind of <laughs> kind of caught myself when I thought yeah they should have outdoor rinks that place is ridiculous with hockey and it doesn't surprise me I love to see uh, speaking it seemed like every Instagram story I checked on Sunday uh, from my friends in Hingham. They were at a rink in town, and it, it just looked like a winter wonderland. Yeah. I mean, everyone was social distancing, but uh, out there skating. And uh, I had some serious FOMO. Hang them. There's a good three or four just great ponds you get out there. Cushing Pond, Trip Hammer Pond, the old skating club, the Red Shack. Uh, those are probably the big three. And I saw people at all three places, and I said, oh, man, I wish I was up there right now. Just, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, the time around. Because that, that's the extent of my hockey playing experience. I, I can play pond hockey, but I never played organized hockey. So, And the town uh, of Hingham has, what, three three sheets, correct? Or two and a half sheets. Uh, yes. Right? You got so two, yeah, the, two and a half at Pilgrim, Pilgrim yep. right? Uh, right? And then you think yeah, about... A&C. Yeah, and then you think about Ken. Ken's got four sheets of ice. Oh, Ken's got to have more than that if they've got two at the uh, ice house. Yep. Well, I get, how many sheets are at the sportsplex? Is that is so? That's the one. I'm not sure if there's two or if there's one or two there. But then they recently rebuilt the Metropolis. You're right. Yep. Uh, yep. So four. So that it's right. so it's four or five sheets. Of ice. That's a lot of ice in one town. And now you've got a lot of programs that are playing out of there. You've got you know the Junior Terriers and all those others. But of um, course, th- that's a lot of ice. That's a lot of ice, and there's a reason for it. Uh-huh. Of course, you know, there should be more sheets of ice in Hingham, uh, aside from just the ponds. They, there's plenty of land down by the bus depot right off of Fort Hill Street. Uh, the Hingham people know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> but it's probably about 10 years ago, uh, there was a proposal, and it was all set. And I, I don't know exactly what happened, but um, you know, let's call a spade a spade here. Hingham deserves a state-of-the-art hockey rink uh, that they currently don't have, in my opinion. I, I think uh, Pilgrim's a little outdated, and I think uh, it'd be great if they could get a a better rink in town. Yeah, and, and I would say the same thing for the, the Situate Marshfield area, right? Like that Cohasset yeah. Situate Marshfield. That, you know, there used to be 
there was some, you know, the old timers would talk about some place that was in, in situate on 3A or on Cohasset, sort of on the line there. Um, and it had some funky name that was like a, you know, the, they called it, I forget what they called You might even know. There was some place uh, on 3A. Now, someone's going to say it, it on Twitter. A little, it's a little before my time. Yeah, it was before I both know, of our times. I know Cohasset, um, six or seven years ago, they built a brand new sportsplex on 3a uh just over the hingham line and i mean i've driven up there a few times looks like there's enough space for a hockey rink too i don't know yeah i mean you know there was there was actually talk when i uh now this is going back about 10 years that cohasset was talking about having an outdoor rink on the football field for home games uh that they would they would buy all of the stuff um and that if you played against cohasset and their their home arena was going to be on the football field, uh, and they were going to do some outdoor games. And now that that made its way wildly around the South Shore and never came to fruition, of course. Uh, but it's surprising that there isn't there isn't more ice down on the South Shore. The newest rink really is probably the Bog, um, and the Bog is going on twelve years old, I would think, or more. Um, and it's got sort of two and a half sheets there to work with, uh, but you know. A, pl- a place like Situate, um, you know, Situate's had a great program for years and years and years, and so has Marshfield, um, and they could fill those buildings with, you know, South Shore Seahawks and 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 all sorts of other youth programs, and then the two high schools that are right there. For sure, I wish there. You mentioned the outdoor games, though, and wouldn't this have just been the perfect winter to experiment a little bit and have some outdoor games? And I don't necessarily mean on ponds i mean like that cohasset thing you'd mentioned flood the football field it's easy to do on turf i would think and i I know these things cost money but how cool would that have been you know you could actually have uh a decent amount of fans there uh just in terms of you know they were able to do that for field hockey and soccer in the fall so i don't see why you couldn't have some fans at outdoor games uh, in the winter as well i mean that would just be so cool to be a great experience I don't want to say that makes up for not having a state tournament to look forward to, but you're going to remember playing an outdoor game that actually counts. And I know some schools have been able to play at Frozen Fenway in recent years. You know, the Catholic Conference got in there. Um, Arlington Burlington was able to play there. I know a couple of the City League schools, um, East Boston and uh, who they wind up playing that game, Latin Academy, were able to play there, but that's been even since 2017, so I don't think there's been outdoor games in Mass uh, in quite some time. And Foxborough High might have played at Gillette uh, when the Winter Classic was there, but I forget exactly when that was, so... You know, bottom line, pandemic or no, I would love to see some more outdoor games. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with you there at all. Uh, it would be, a, it would be a ton of fun. I, I will say, as a home ice rink manager, uh, <laughs> keeping up, with, keeping up with this weather is for the birds. Um, and it, I know why every rink manager in, in North America is salty as heck. It's because, <laughs> like, you know, everyone's like, ah, can we come over and skate at your place? I'm like, yeah, sure, that's great. Can you grab a shovel? that's <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like uh i'm surprised the simpsons didn't do an episode with an outdoor rink i know they did one with the pool where everybody wants to come over that's exactly what it's like it, it's basically courts when everybody wants to come over yeah. they should have done one with a rink yeah it's basically the swimming pool episode of the simpsons that's what it's like except it's frozen <laughs> um and, and now i i do want to talk about um some goings on in division three uh you know hanover's seven one and one um they took their first loss 
uh, of the 2021 season, and they fell to a big Division II rival, Situate, uh, but then came back with a win over North Quincy. This week coming up, Hanover's got Pembroke and Quincy on their schedule. Uh, you know, the, the Johnny Abbin Hanover uh, Hawks train keeps rolling on. Uh, and, and another team that keeps rolling is Hopkinton. They're uh, looking right now at a 3-1 and one record. You know, obviously lost some time due to COVID, uh, but they are always strong. And then Norwell's 5-1, and 5-1-1, and one, right? So it's, the, it's, it's like the same top three, you know, again, once again. You mentioned Hopkinton, and uh, they went to the Garden in 2019, won up losing Wachusett. That was a really good team, and they had a lot of losses to graduation, but then in comes this freshman last year, uh, Pavit Mera, and he was awesome for them last year, and then I got to see him uh, once in a game this year. It was Hopkinton against Norwood, and uh, he had a hat trick, so he picked up right where he had left off, and that was going back probably three weeks now, so I know, unfortunately, they had the shutdown. Um, but that's, you know, a credit to Hopkinton that they, uh, you know, maybe not a traditional powerhouse, but they are starting to get a reputation of a program that's going to reload rather than rebuild. And Coach Chris McPherson did just win his 100th game. I think it would have been their first win of last season. He could have won 100 at the Garden, I believe was the number. He was right there, right around 100. Um, so he has since gotten it. And um, I think that's pretty impressive to do at a place like Hopkinton, where, again, uh, maybe not a traditional hockey power, but uh, evolving into one. Yeah, I mean, they, they are good at everything, right? That's uh, also true. You know, there's, there's just a level of whether it's coaching at the youth level or coaching at the high school or drive or determination or money or whatever, or facilities – they're good at everything. They really are. Uh, and it's like across the board on sports. It's it's really impressive. I believe Hopkinton plays their home games at the New England Sports Center in Marlboro. I could be wrong. They might also play at the Navin Rink in Marlboro. I don't think there's a sheet in Hopkinton. I would have to look that up. And this is this is always something that fascinates me that, you know, you just assume that all of these great uh, programs, regardless of division, have a rink in their hometown, but you know, the bog's not in Duxbury. That's in Kingston. If we're talking down South, uh, Marshfield and Hanover, there's no sheets there. They got to go to Pembroke for Hobbach. And then if you want to go up, um, out towards the Tri Valley league, you know, Westwood, no sheet there. They're playing in Dedham or in Canton, uh, Hopkinton just mentioned they're playing in Marlboro. So, uh, it's something that does interest you. What's the correlation between having a rink in your town and, maybe the success that the high school team uh, does go on to? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, because, you know, Hanover doesn't have a rink in their in their town, but... Right, right. They're playing out of Hobbock. You right. know, situate again. They're playing out of Hobbock. In Hobbock, that's nothing against Hobbock. It's just, you know, it's not within their borders. And you're sharing it with five, six other towns, not just the high school teams, but the, J, um, the JV and the youth programs as well. Right. Right. Um, and, and I do, before we, before we um, finish up here, I do want to talk about, uh, I believe last week I said that I thought the Bruins could win the Stanley Cup and you laughed. Um, and then lo and behold, uh, you've corrected yourself on Twitter now uh, and believe that the Bruins are going to win the Stanley Cup, yet there was no like official apology or 
like uh, You Were Right, Brandon, or, you know, the kinds of things that happen when married couples, you know, there's never like a, and I know you're newly married, so you may not have be aware <laughs> of this kind of thing, but usually uh, one spouse says to the other, you were right, honey. So now's your chance. I've had to issue a lot of mea culpas about my Bruins takes. Uh, coming into the season, I thought that other than New Jersey and maybe Buffalo, they were going to be the worst team in the Eastern Division, uh, as it is, realigned. Uh, it looks like I was not only wrong, I was epically wrong. I, I think the Bruins, you know, I still want to pump the brakes just a little bit. Let's see if they can sustain this level of play. Let's see if some of these young guys keep coming on. Let's see if they can keep getting some secondary scoring. Let's see if Tuca remains in the zone. Um, I, I think, if anything else, I'm justified in that because, you know, we, as we've seen, they have looked the part before, and then they pull out the rug from you at the last second, literally the last second in 2019. So, uh, But they're going to be a playoff team. Uh, they are so much better than I gave them credit for. And uh, this is maybe the most, I don't know if it's impressive, what I want to call it, they don't miss Tori Krug or Zidane Chara at all yet. It's remarkable. And, and, and I say yet, but uh, I'm stunned. I'm pleasantly stunned. Um, I love Krug. I love Chara. Chara is right. my favorite Boston athlete. You know, I I'll, I don't care if I get shamed for saying this. I, I, I miss Zidane Chara more than I miss Tom Brady. But that's another story for another time. Uh, the Bruins have not missed either of them. Yeah, I, I got to I, I was, I mean, like most other people, ready to say, you know, Jacob Zaboral was or Jakob Zaboral was a was a bust. Um, and I think, you know, the, the 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 reports of his death were premature. He he can play. He really can. And he was being held back um, essentially to learn. It seems like, you know, they were holding him in Providence so that he could learn and he could play in all three, you know, all three phases of the game. And he is, and he's been good. Um, better late than never. It still doesn't excuse the 2015 draft. No, right. Of course not. No. Cause it, I mean, Senishin is a right. complete lost cause from that right. year in DeBrusque. You know, is he stuck in neutral? Is he ever going to be more than a, a middle six forward, I guess top nine, maybe. Um, but it better late than never getting these returns. It does take some guys longer than others to develop. Not everybody's going to be a Vetchkin and Crosby coming in or, you know, a better example would be Bergeron coming in and, uh, showing you belong right away out of the second round or not, not first overall, basically. Sure. Um, but defensemen but, tend, but defensemen do t- tend to take longer to develop, right? So the fact that Zaboral is now a contributor as a 24 year old is not unheard of, but it's hard when you've got, you know, Barzal's getting picked behind him, right? So Right. You know, in 2015, though, Carlo was a second-round pick of the Bruins, and he arrived a good three years before Zaboral, sure. I guess it would be. So at the end of the day, it's not going to matter when he arrives, so long as he has, in fact, arrived. It's uh, It would really go a long way in making it just a little bit easier to look back at that hockey reference page and, you know, you see those three straight first round picks and then Barzil off the board. Right. It would be nice if uh, Zboril can ease that pain just a little bit. Ease his pain, Jake. <laughs> ease his pain. All right. Uh, what do we got this week coming up? 
Let's see. Uh, so, you know, it's uh, everything's day by day here, especially with snow now in the mix as well. But I believe I'm headed to Zavarian St. John's Prep tomorrow. Early game, 5 o'clock. Uh, Thursday, I think I'm off. Friday, I believe I'm doing a girls game. I think I'm heading up to Rockland to do Notre Dame of Hingham. Uh, I should probably double check who they're playing. I want to say Norwell. I'm going to have to double check my schedule. Uh, Saturday, I believe I'm heading down to Gallo. I'm doing uh, Situate Plymouth North. Uh, that'll be a fun one. And uh, beyond that, I'm sure something else will pop up and all of this is going to change because that's just the way things are. But uh, looking forward to another week at the rink. Yeah, it's always a good day to be in the rink, right? Absolutely. All right, Jake, we will talk next week. Uh, enjoy the puck. Enjoy the outdoor puck if you can get some. Uh, and we will talk to you then soon.